Chapter Twenty Five of On the Yukon Trail by Roy J. Snell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Five: The Wild Stampede. At no time in Curly Carson's adventurous life had he experienced such strangely mingled emotions as he did while riding astride the white reindeer in the midst of the wild stampede. A sea of tossing antlers was all about him. Behind him was the red glare of a mountain of flame. What the next moment would bring forth, he could not even guess. Now the mass of struggling life was crowded into a narrow runway between banks of a river, and now they spread out over an open flat. Now his legs were pinched and bruised by antlers pressed against them, and now he rode almost alone. But always his white steed plunged on into the night, made light as day by the great conflagration. Our hope is in the open tundra, open, treeless tundra, he told himself over and over. The great horde of creatures, seeming to know this by instinct, headed straight for it. Now he could see the tundra's broad, white expanse gleaming before them. Would they make it? The fire was gaining upon them. He felt the hot breath of flame upon his cheek. The crowding from behind became all but unbearable. Beside him, mouth open, panting, raced a monstrous caribou. Before him crashed a spotted reindeer. Would they make it? Now they were a half mile from safety. Now a quarter. The smell of burning hair came stiflingly from the rear. And now the foremost of the pack reached the open tundra. Then, like a swollen stream which has suddenly broken through its barriers, they spread out, racing still over the silent, glistening expanse of white prairie-like tundra. A few of the weaker ones have perished. The great mass of this wild life is saved, was Curly's mental comment. A mile from the flames, Curly dropped stiffly from his place on the reindeer's back, and, patting his head in grateful appreciation, tied him with a loose rope to a willow bush. There, he murmured, feed up a bit. The reindeer began digging in the snow for moss, while Curly climbed a nearby knoll to have a look at the strange spectacle. As each wild creature pursued his own course, Curly looked on with interest. The wolves were the first to slink away. The bear, a huge barren ground grizzly, climbed a distant hill, there to suck his sore paws and nurse his grievances. The caribou began passing to right and left, like some army ordered to deploy, and, in an astonishingly brief space of time, had all disappeared. Only the reindeer, five hundred to a thousand in number, remained to feed peacefully upon the moss of the tundra. Well, Curly said to himself, it seems I've come into possession of a reindeer herd. Don't see as they have any masters. No men in sight. Just then a dog barked. It was answered by a second one. Dogs, he exclaimed. Two of them. That's interesting. Wonder what kind. Putting two fingers to his lips, he sent out a shrill whistle. A moment later, two beautiful collies came racing up to him. Collies, he cried in great joy. Reindeer collies. Why, 
Here I am all set up in business with a herd of reindeer and collies to help herd them. He sat down to think. This was undoubtedly the herd which had been held by the Indians. Had the fire caught them unawares? And had they been burned alive? Or had they set the fire in hope of concealing their theft of the reindeer? If they are still alive and did not set the fire, he told himself, they'll be along after the fire dies down, and there'll be more trouble. On the other hand, if I could take some of these deer out upon the ice floe to meet Joe and the explorers, it would be a great boon to them. Plenty of meat. The right kind, too. It might save their lives. But there's the outlaw, he exclaimed suddenly. Got to settle him first. He can't, why, he can't be more than eight or ten miles from the food depot on Flaxman Island. A brisk morning's walk, that's all. After careful deliberation, he decided to mount his reindeer and ride directly for the shore of the island. The island would be solidly connected to the shore by the ocean ice. He would search out the depot and ride boldly up to it. Surely, he told himself, no man who plots mischief is going to be afraid of an unarmed boy riding a reindeer. Hope I can catch him unawares and steal a march on him. Having put his plan into action, his faithful reindeer and he soon went racing away over the tundra. Coming to the shore of the island, in order to reach the north shore where the food depot was placed, he began skirting it. The ice was everywhere smooth as a floor and covered with just enough snow to give the reindeer good footing. Would be a regular lark if it wasn't so dangerous. This marching right up to a man you have followed for thousands of miles is not what it's cracked up to be. A high-cut bank hid the food depot, a long, low building, from his sight until he was all but upon it. As he rounded the point of the cut bank, he saw a man, whose back was turned to him, disappear around the northwest corner of the building. Did he see me? he breathed. I'll play he didn't. Hastily wheeling his reindeer about, he retreated to the shelter of the cut bank. Here, after a moment's thought, he tied the reindeer to an outcropping willow root, then, on hands and knees, crept back to the corner. Peeping around the point, he stood at strained attention. He saw no one, heard no one. And yet he might be spying at me, he whispered. Got to risk it, though. At that he leaped to his feet, and dashed full speed toward the cabin. The distance was two hundred yards. His heart beat madly. Would he be shot down before he reached that shelter? Now he had covered half the distance. Now two-thirds. Now three-quarters. That his footsteps might not be heard, he was now running on tiptoes. With his breath coming in short gasps, he leaped to a corner of the cabin, threw himself upon the snow close to the wall, and was for the moment safe. So much so good, he breathed. Now, if only he doesn't see me first. End of chapter 25 Recording by Tom Penn